0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie. Critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG 13. Coming up on today's episode, the youth steps up, leading the Jets to a pair of wins on the road. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Thanks for tuning in once again. Hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. Seeing a little bit of green out there. For the last time, it seems like. Yep, it's. It, I guess it's really good news, bad news in Winnipeg right now, right? The bad news is that we're going to be snowed in for the next three and a half months until the next winter starts because we live in an absolute hellhole of a city. But the good news is we officially were all welcomed to the beginning. Of the Morgan Barron era right here in Winnipeg. Wow, what a performance by the kid under the bright lights in Montreal. And after back-to-back wins by the Jets on the road Sunday, Monday, that's really the only place that we can start. You know, mentioned there at the top talking about the youth, but just the most recent performance there, Morgan Barron, they stole the show in Montreal. And I don't think even the most optimistic Jets fan could have dreamed that Barron would come out with that kind of performance. Because you look at his first few games here in Winnipeg. I mean, he's only getting like 8, 9, maybe 10 minutes a game. He's he's playing on the fourth line. So, I mean, there's not a lot of opportunity to begin with. But there was nothing I had seen that was screaming, put him beside Nikolai Ehlers and Paul Stesny. You know what I mean? Right? Like he was he wasn't bad, he wasn't great. he was just, you know doing a job on the fourth line. That, that, that's kind of what the expectation was at least early on when the trade was made to bring him over from the Rangers, which by the way, maybe this should be a tradition by Kevin chevalieroff is is making a trade with the New York Rangers and, and watching somebody that struggled with that organization find a ton of success over here in Winnipeg. But aside from that, yeah, it was a pretty quiet start for Morgan Barron here in Winnipeg. But man, it's just, it's so funny and it's so crazy how just one opportunity, you know, one chance for, for anybody in any organization in the NHL, right? But you get one opportunity because of an injury or somebody gets sick or whatever it is. And if you can take, if, if you can take a hold of that, your your entire life can change really, really quickly. And it's way too early, way too early, of course, to say that we're we're witnessing the, the birth of a top six forward here in Winnipeg, right? Because he's a top line forward. Moving. No, <laughs> there, there's still a, a lot more time that needs to be seen from, from Bayron and, and, and a lot more games like that before we make any kind of definitive statement on his future with the team. But hey, give the kid a ton of credit. He got one chance, one opportunity. And he took full advantage of it in a huge, huge way. And to not look out of place beside guys like Paul Stasny and like Nikolai Ehlers, that is a huge boost for his stock. You know, just inside the Jets organization going into next year, knowing that the team can look at a performance like that. And if he, say, has a strong end to the season here with the team, uh, you know what? Maybe a guy that would have been battling for fourth-line minutes next season is somebody that could be a complementary player inside our top nine. So we'll just keep an eye on this moving forward. You know, we'll, we'll see what the next game entails. And then if, you know, things start to completely, you know, if the hype train really starts to go off the rails, then we'll have some fun as the rest of the season moves along. But it's funny because even early on in the game, you know, before Morgan Barron unleashes that absolute snipe in the second period, I was thinking to myself, yeah, you know what? That that kid doesn't look all that out of place playing besides those two highly talented players. You know, he was making a lot of really clever, smart plays, you know, good support, doing a lot of the dirty work as well to try to open up some space for guys like Nikolai Ehlers on that line to do what he does best. And then the snipe happens, and then the setup happens on that next goal by the Jets where you see a nifty level of skill that I, I didn't think was in there, you know, watching him his first few games with the team. I mean, he he definitely has a decent pair of hands on him, and maybe he's got a little bit more skill than a lot of us might have given him credit for. So the skill is great by him there, and, and you could see him get more and more confident. That was fun too, Baron getting more confidence with the puck as the game kind of progressed, you know, feeling a little bit of that goal energy and, and, and stuff like that. But what I really like, there's two things I like most about his game and, you know, the potential for him to be a guy that can slide up and down the top three lines, you know, best case scenario for him moving into next season. And, and the first and, and most obvious is just that he really has great movement without the puck. That It's a really difficult skill to have, especially for for some youngsters. You know, it's, it's one of those things that you either have it or you don't right away, you know what I mean, and it takes a lot of hockey IQ, but he was finding some nice routes inside the offensive zone, you know, giving giving support to Ehlers and Stasny, you know, staying close but not too close, not drifting too far away as well, you know, sometimes a lot of young guys will just keep things too simple, Right, they they don't want to mess up too badly, so it'll be you know I'll I'll stay along the boards. I'll immediately go and park myself in front of the net, and that way the coach can't get too mad at me. But Baron was you know moving around with a lot of confidence inside the offensive zone, and you know what? If you get into the right spaces with guys that see the ice as well as Ehlers and Stasny, you're gonna get the puck on your stick a bunch, and you're gonna get a chance to make a ton of plays. And pop a couple into the back of the net. And Barron, to, to his credit, took full advantage of those opportunities against Montreal. The other thing, too, is, you know, I don't know if you guys picked up on this as well, but you watch him play. Do you get a sense of how big he is when he plays? Like, and I mean this as a compliment. He doesn't look like he's six foot four out there. Like, he moves really, really well for a big guy. And like I, I'm not. It's not to say that he's soft or anything like that, but generally 6'4", 220, you, you kind of think, you know, lumbering up and down the ice a little bit, you know, not not to not to take a shot at him, but, you know, Adam Lowry kind of skates like a 6'5 guy, right? Morgan Barron moves like a guy that's, you know, three or four inches shorter and, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds lighter. I I've been really impressed with his skating stride and you know what? If he can maybe just add on a little bit more physicality to his game to go along with what we saw against Montreal, you know what? The Jets might have pulled a fast one on, on the blue shirts there. It, it was just a really, really impressive performance. Obviously, you don't you know want people to continue to be injured or anything like that. But you know if Scheifele and Wheeler are out for an extended period of time moving forward here, no reason whatsoever to give Morgan Barron. 14, 15, 16, 17 minutes a night even. Because he earned it. He, he's earned at least another shot playing with those two. And it, it does also give you a little bit of pause, a little bit of thought. That, And I I wonder if this was already in the works no matter what. But, man, the Jets can't really afford to lose Paul Stasny, can they? Like an unrestricted free agent. He's going to get a ton of offers. You know, you wonder... You wonder what he wants more than anything else in what could be his final deal in the NHL, but I'm not too concerned about the age. You know, he hasn't moved all that well basically his whole NHL career, yet he finds a way to put up 40, 50 points a year and gets his 20th goal of the season. Last night, I, I don't think there's going to be too much of an age decline for him, and I, I, think, I think I'd be doing uh, pretty much whatever I could to make sure that Paul Stancy's back here to Winnipeg for one more season. But I think Kevin Chevalier might already have a uh, wink-wink, nudge-nudge agreement set in stone with Paul Stasny. And that's why we didn't see him moved out at the trade deadline. At least that's what I'm hoping. But Morgan Barron, outstanding, outstanding performance. The other youngster that has elevated his game as of late, maybe more so in the Ottawa game than in the Montreal game. But still really, really good last night as well. And that's obviously Dylan Sandberg. And again, you know, a situation not the same, but similar in that, you know what, somebody gets out of the lineup and you get an opportunity if you're Dylan Sandberg and you go ahead and run with it. And it's pretty crazy, too, because, you know, he he was really starting to get a bit of a rhythm earlier on in the year, suffers that, what was it, the ankle injury, lower body injury, misses a ton of time. You kind of think, man, that that's probably the end of, you know, getting NHL minutes, for this season with Handel and Stanley still here with the Jets, but able to find a way back into the lineup. And man, he doesn't look like he missed a beat at all. Yeah, It's like, it's almost like he just hit pause on, on where he was earlier on in the season, where he was on this upwards trajectory with, with more minutes each and every night. And he just continued that the first chance he got back into the lineup. He is looking so damn good. And I mean, take your pick of, of what's been his most impressive attribute these past few games. What's been his biggest standout highlight over these past few games. And, and you can kind of go up and down the checklist of what a defenseman should do. If You want a big hit? He's had a couple of those. You want aggressiveness? He stepped up in the neutral zone and, and done a great job of, of thwarting a rush chance or, or thwarting a clean entry into the zone. You know, you want some, some hockey IQ? He's had some great one-on-one battles and I think he's shown some improvement as far as his skating when it comes to dealing with forwards going at him with speed. And then we've seen the offensive side of his game blossom a little bit as well. You know, he's made a couple of really really good passes from his own end. He's started to be a little more confident inside the offensive zone trying to make something happen instead of, you know, just throwing the puck back down low and and, and not trying to force a turnover or anything like that we're seeing Sandberg start to, to try to make a play or two as well and then the physical nastiness side of his game it's it's there and it's it's a lot more evident and we, we just see it more often than we do with Logan Stanley and while Sandberg isn't six foot seven he's, he's he's no flower either right like you know six three six four and and two plus he's been a bit of a physical force for the team as well and I just don't see any reason. Now, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say I don't see any reason why he comes out. Because I said the same thing with Billy Hainala when he was playing well just a couple of weeks ago. That there was no reason to take him out of the lineup. Yet Logan Stanley's healthy. He goes in. Hainala comes out. So, I mean, who knows what happens with the Jets here over these last eight games. But, again, not much of a debate for me. You know, if we're talking strictly Logan Stanley or Dylan Sandberg... To me, Dylan Sandberg is the, the automatic call there. And I think even, even big Hainala supporters would agree that that Sandberg's been more impressive than Vili Hainala so far this season and that he's probably the one that's most deserving of ice time right now. I mean, I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe this would be in the last few games of the season and it would maybe necessitate an injury or two. I wouldn't mind seeing Dylan Sandberg and Vili Hainala being put out there together. And you could throw Hainala out there on this offside, I, I do wonder if maybe that's his his best path to, to getting significant minutes with the Winnipeg Jets moving forward, is if he can try to transition and be a lefty that plays on the right side. I wouldn't mind seeing that for a couple of games, but for now, in the immediate future, there, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that Dylan Sandberg and and his level of play, he he's shown that, you know what, he's a top six defenseman, no doubt about it at the NHL level. really intriguing to see just how high that ceiling might be. Could he be a top four guy as soon as next year? Yeah I don't want to bet on that necessarily. I think that's one of those things that if it happens, that you're in a great spot if you're the Winnipeg Jets. I don't I don't want to pencil him in there and and base your lineup decisions off of that going into next season. But it's nice as always to know that at least there's some semblance of a possibility of that happening next season, that's kind of where I'm at, don't bank on it, but if it happens, you're at a perfect, perfect spot here, and the Jets are going to get a decent amount of cap savings next year on their back end, they're going to have to move one or two guys out, there's no doubt about that, but Sandberg's been playing really well, I think Hainala has gotten better and better as this season has gone along, and Logan Stanley has shown that he can be a, a decent third pair guy as well, so there's going to have to be some movement made and things like that. But at the very least, the Jets do have a uh, a trio of guys that they can trust and lean on to play some NHL minutes moving forward. So good news, finally. Feels like we haven't had that for a while here, talking Winnipeg Jets hockey. But let's take the good news while we can get it. And hopefully the final eight games, even without the postseason, can um, at least bring a little bit of optimism into what's uh, sure to be a pretty uh, crazy little offseason for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, a few things we'll get to before we wrap up the episode here. A little bit of negative, unfortunately. One play that stood out to be in that game against Montreal. And then uh, just a, a little bit of an interesting an interesting stat, I guess we could say, that came out with the Winnipeg Jets lineup in that game. And also an exciting new addition To the THPN lineup here that we'll get to at the end of the show. But before we do all that. Let's give a quick shout out to our good friends over at DraftKings. One of the official sports betting partners of the NHL. Actually, they're the official sports betting partner of the NHL. And right now new customers can bet just one buck on any team to win. And you get $150 in free bets if that bet proves to be true. Now, if Sportsbook is not available in your province, state, country, wherever just yet, don't worry. You can play for free and win thousands of dollars every day with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Manitobans love a good deal. I mean, what's better than playing for free and, and getting some money to go in on top of that? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See the show notes for more details. So a few things we'll get to quickly here before we wrap things up. The first... Well, well, we'll get to the stat thing first. I, I, you know, this I just saw it going around on social media. You know, a few Jets fans chiming in with their opinions on this. But, you know, of course, with these two players being some of the biggest lightning rods this season, the stat came out that the Winnipeg Jets going into this game, I believe, were 5-0 and this season without Mark Scheifele or Blake Wheeler in the lineup. Obviously, with that stat being shown, and then the Winnipeg Jets going on to win against, you know, albeit a a bottom feeder in Montreal, but playing pretty damn good and and probably should have had, you know, four or five, six goals if it wasn't for Sam Montebo stealing the show in the second and third periods there. But obviously, with how disappointing the season has been, there was a lot of people clinging to that stat and saying, ah, this is kind of a gotcha moment where, look, the Winnipeg Jets, without two-thirds of the leadership core on the ice, find a way to look pretty damn good. And really, 5-0, 6-0 this season, it's it's hard to argue with that. Now, this is one of those quirky stats that (laughs) it's good. I shouldn't say it's good. It's fun because fans can twist it to fit whatever narrative if they want. You, you know what I mean? Because obviously anybody that's been critical of Shifley and or Wheeler this season will point to that and go, ha-ha, evident, see? You, you can't disprove the fact that they are undefeated without those two in the lineup. And so that adds fuel to the fire for those in that camp. But, you know, at the same time, it's pretty evident the Jets aren't going to either, A, go 82-0 without Shifley and Wheeler in the lineup, but B you know, find themselves as a better team, more likely. Because even with the faults of those two, you're talking about a point-of-game center and essentially a point-of-game winger, that's still, even with some defensive deficiencies, a ton of value added to any lineup. The other part of it, too, is just that, and and this has been, I think everybody, every hockey fan has, has known, you know, some variety of this stat, but the Penguins, for years and years and years, Had an absolutely outstanding record with both Crosby and Malkin out of the lineup. And I'm sure you could go to pretty much any team in the NHL and you take one or two of their stars out of their lineup. I don't think you'd be shocked to find out that that team still finds a way to win a decent amount of games if they're a good team. Let's put that caveat there. If they're a good team, they find a way to persevere. And I I just don't really think it's all that surprising. I mean, one, because we're generally talking about smaller sample sizes. But, you know, if two stars are out of the lineup for a team, what happens? Right? Like, it's it's really not that hard to make the leap. The rest of the team tightens up. They know they got to battle their asses off to win the game. They can't depend on, you know, one of the stars pulling something out of their hat to lead the team to victory. And you generally get a really solid 60-minute team effort. You grind out a win, and everybody feels good about it moving forward. But, you know, if that happens over 20, 30, 40 games, eventually things start to crater out, and you generally miss those high-end players. So I kind of like what a wise man said on Twitter last night. Surprisingly, it was North End Rick. But I kind of liked his take on it. And he said that, look... The Jets are undefeated without Shafley and Wheeler this season. Could mean nothing. It could mean everything. And how, depending on how you feel about those two players, that's how you're going to feel about that stat. And I think that's true, right? It could be just a fluke, right? There, there's a lot of flukes in hockey. It could mean that, hey, the Jets do legitimately play better without those two in the lineup, and they could be a competitive team next season. Maybe even an improved team with a different voice. Leading the way with the leadership core, but I, I'm just not going to base the direction of an organization off of a five-six game sample with those two out of the lineup. It, it might end up being that it, it works that way, but I'm just gonna I'm, I'm going to go more towards the the 60-70 games that they did play. Try to figure out a way to make this team better, as opposed to well, we're, we're five and all oh without them. Clearly, we're going to be the best team in the NHL. As long as those two are out of the lineup. So, may end up going that way, but I'm just not going to read too much into a uh, a quirky little stat like that. One last thing to talk about from the game that that stood out to me. And just, yeah, a sliver of bad news from a guy that's brought pretty much the only bit of good news so far for the Jets this season. But if you're into, you know, whether it's the athletic or a, a different analytical leading website or, or models or, or whatever it is you know you, you've probably seen the fact that Kyle Connor despite his prolific scoring this year doesn't grade out as one of the best players on the planet he, he's not you know when you talk about best wingers even he's not generally mentioned even in the top three or or maybe even the top five for a lot of people despite the fact that he was on pace to put up a 100 point season this year which is a very rarefied air in this day and age the main reason for that is and again even for Jets fans and and fans that love watching him and, and think he's a great player he's one of the worst defensive forwards in hockey there's no other way to really sugarcoat that one he just hasn't been he hasn't been a strong defender since he entered the NHL. Great penalty killer. No doubt about that. He's he's proven a lot of us wrong on that. He's a big time asset to the penalty kill. But five on five, Kyle Connor, not a great defender whatsoever. And there was a play in the game against Montreal that that really highlighted little tiny things he could fix that would make him average. And I think a lot of fans would take average defensively from Kyle Connor. And that would make him, in my opinion, no doubt about it top five way you're in the NHL and it's not you know so often people equate defense or, or you know defending well with with physicality and I just I, I really don't think that's the case it could help but to me just being an average defender means you put in a you put in a hard shifts work each and every time out and, and you do some of the little things that aren't fun to do but you do them right You'll spend more time in the offensive zone than you do working your tail off for no real benefit in the defensive zone. At least that's the perspective of a forward, right? But on the Montreal Canadiens' second goal of the night, what would really look like a nothing play, you know, when you watch it over, uh, you know, point shot, hits off a guy in front, kind of an unlucky break for the Jets, uh, you know, not much you could do about that. You know, if you're just kind of looking at it in real time. But then you watch the replay of it and it's just a really good example of where Cal Connor struggles inside the defensive zone and, and how it can be an easy fix to get it to be better there because all it is, you know, basically it's a, a goal immediately off of a faceoff win. And the Jets are in no real danger after losing that draw. You know, it's a it's a clean win by the Montreal Canadiens, but there's really no issue or there shouldn't be an issue on that play. Because all Cal Connor has to do You know, you lose the draw, puck goes back to the point, skate out to the point, (laughs) right? Pretty simple. Stay in the shooting lane, skate out to the point, put some pressure on the defenseman there. But instead what happens is, you know, there's a a tiny, tiny bit of a pick by the halves forward, but but really not much. You know, you you, you work through that and you get to the D-man. But Cal Connor just allows that to basically wipe him out of the play. He doesn't really make much of an effort to get around the forward, There's about, I don't know, 10 feet of space between Connor and Jeff Petrie there, and on top of it, he's not in the shooting lane. So, Petrie has all day to do whatever he wants. Ultimately, you know, he decides, I got this much time and space, I'm going to rip one on net. And, And there is a fortunate, you know, deflection in front there. You know, that part of it was a tough break, but everything leading up to that, that, that that goal shouldn't, that shot shouldn't have even gotten anywhere near the net. That should have been a play where Jeff Petrie either fires it into the shin pads of Kyle Connor, or he's forced to throw it down low or, or pass it cross-eyes to the other defenseman with him there. It's plays, little plays like that, that really should be so coachable and so correctable. And, and hey, I, I don't know if, you know, Paul Maurice and Dave Lowry now have been on Cal Connor to, to to put a little more effort into it there maybe, maybe they have and he just hasn't taken to it I, I I don't know what the reasoning is but that should be something that is second nature to Cal Connor like he, he doesn't even think about that you, you talk about the best defensive teams in hockey you know the Bruins for basically a decade now you know even the Avalanche despite all their their high flying offensive talent they've been maybe the stingiest defensive team in hockey this year. And then the Calgary Flames as well, you know, a a Sutter coached team. You look at them, and, you know, they're not just sagging off 10, 15 feet and allowing a shot to get through like that as easy as possible. They're they're making life difficult. They're closing out the time and space. And they're forcing either a bad decision or or a weak shot to head towards the net. And that's got to be the impetus moving forward here for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, there's all this talk about the defenders have to do this. Defense have to do this. The forwards, first and foremost, have to be a hell of a lot better. And if we're going to get on guys like Scheifele and Wheeler and, and some of the others this year, you know, even with his prolific offensive season, we got to point out when Kyle Connor doesn't hold up his end of the bargain when it comes to defensive play. Should be something that's easily corrected, and he's shown that on the penalty kill. You know, he can do it if he's coached the right way. But it's going to be on whoever's behind the bench next season to eliminate that part of Kyle Connor's game allow him to make the simple play defensively to open him up to get more chances offensively. It's a win-win for the Jets moving forward. But other than that, I the, thought the Jets were pretty good defensively against Montreal. So just just one little blip there. Unfortunately, we, we've seen a few of those from Kyle Connor this season. But man, oh man, if he can just elevate his defensive game a little bit more, the offense stays there with him. We're really talking about one of the most dangerous dynamic valuable wingers in all of hockey right he's he's pretty much there already it's just a little bit of improvement in his half of the ice and and really the Jets are going to be getting way more way more bang for the buck than the seven whatever and change that they're paying Kyle Connor right now so that's where we'll wrap things up for this episode here Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Speaking of the Hockey Podcast Network, before we go, actually, we have a new edition. Always nice to have a new show join the rest of the ranks here. But this one might be a name that you're pretty familiar with. And I'll just let this little promo uh, speak for itself here. Hi. I'm here with Ken Campbell. He's a 30-year veteran of the hockey journalism world. He's most known for never making hot takes. And certainly, even if he did, there's no chance they'd blow up in his face. No chance. And this is Dylan Waugh, my co-host. And he's also the brains behind the Hockey Unfiltered Empire. He uh, built the set. He has all the technology. He produces every episode. And he actually wrote and recorded on his own the theme music for our podcast. So he's actually quite a valuable member of this team. And if he could just kind of learn a little bit about hockey, he'd actually make himself invaluable. And the best news of all is that Hockey Unfiltered is joining the Hockey Podcast Network. So if you want to hear from NHL GMs and the top insiders in the game... You won't want to miss this new podcast starring Ken Campbell, the NHL's number one outsider, coming soon to the Hockey Podcast Network. So there you have it. Ken Campbell is now officially a team member right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. And the Hockey Unfiltered Podcast will make its THPN debut Wednesday afternoon, I believe, yeah. Wednesday afternoon, you'll hear the first show, and a big guest too, Jeff Merrick, Sportsnet's Jeff Merrick will join both Dylan and Ken Campbell in their initial episode right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. And I can do a little bit of a tease for you guys as well. Elliot Friedman is going to be on before the playoffs come on as well. So, so make sure you tune in for that every Wednesday, Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell. Really good guy. Got the chance to meet him a, a few times leading up to this beauty ton of as you know if you've seen his work before not afraid to throw his opinion out there and I'm sure the podcast is going to be just as successful as his writing has been for oh uh, let's see a few decades now so that'll be fun to see really excited to have him aboard welcome to both Ken and Dylan a great addition here to the Hockey Podcast Network but that'll do it for Skates and Plates here for another day we'll get back at it To close off the week on a Friday, we got one Jets game to break down. And that'll be on Wednesday night. And as I pull this up quickly here, the Winnipeg Jets will take on... Da-da-da-da! The Seattle Kraken. Oh! Well, we'll break down that game. (laughs) Look forward to that breakdown. As Mason Appleton gets his Kraken revenge for the first time. Um, We'll also, you know, kind of an interesting thought idea, you know, what the Winnipeg Jets could have looked like this season if Paul Maurice was behind the bench the whole time. Maybe we'll discuss that as well, and then we'll get ready for the Friday matchup against the Florida Panthers. That will be a bit of a doozy as the team heads out east for their final road trip of the season. Until then, though, once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in here. We'll get back at it on a Friday morning. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week as much as you can. But most importantly, stay safe out there, everybody. Stay inside if you can. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys and, you know, hopefully have some fun with some better weather, you know, by the time the end of the week rolls around. So until then, we're back at it on Friday. I'm your host, Brandon Verwicki. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Peace.